So I just have two things I would like to do. Brief thoughts here uh, with this idea. The first is I want to explore the mystery. Notice I say explore. I, I can't explain the mystery. Uh, the whole point of it being a mystery is that it's not something that can be comprehended or explained. So I want to explore it. Meditate on it. Explore the mystery and then apply the, the mystery um, into just one particular area of our lives. But let's just start here by exploring the theme of our cantata, the mystery of the incarnation. We'll look at just one verse from that, me that reading from Matthew 1. Um, the, uh, the angel declares um, that all of this is taking place to fulfill a prophecy, and it's a very unique prophecy. It's a strange prophecy. It says this, Behold, the virgin shall conceive. Now, of course, that right there is a mystery. Um, it's a miracle, and all miracles are obviously mysteries. But the virgin conception is a very unique one. It represents a, a far deeper, more profound mystery. Um, we take it for granted. We take this whole Christmas thing for granted. But have you ever wondered why it did happen this way? Why didn't the Savior just show up like an alien from heaven? Why didn't he show up like angels just appear all throughout Scripture? Why this way? Why the womb? Why was he born? Why did he have to learn to walk and to talk? Why did he go through adolescence? Why did the Savior go through puberty? Why? Why not just show up as a grown man and accomplish all the important stuff that the Messiah had to do? You know, gather disciples and proclaim the kingdom and teach his teachings and do his miracles and die on a cross and rise from the dead, ascend to heaven and come again. Why the birth? Why the childhood? Why the womb? Well, the reason why is if he were just to come and do all the other important stuff, we would not have this thing called incarnation. True incarnation is not just sympathizing with humanity. It is not just encountering humanity. It is not just experiencing humanity, getting a taste of what it means to be human. True incarnation is becoming humanity. And that is why the virgin conception is so important and central to the Christian faith. Conception, not telling you anything you don't know here, conception requires the union of two. Marriage is one. And that's a problem. This isn't a miraculous conception like Abraham and Sarah, where they were well past childbearing years when they conceived. This is a different one. And Mary knows this. The angel came to her in Luke 1 to tell her she will soon be pregnant with the Messiah. And she says, how? I'm a virgin. Pretty good point. How in the world is that going to work? I'm a virgin. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That is why we say in our creed that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Here's the point. This is the union of God and man. This is the only way for that mysterious doctrine of fully God and fully man. If Jesus skipped the whole birthing process and just showed up on earth in human form, he would not be fully man. That's not fully human. 
if Jesus was conceived by Joseph and Mary and grew up, and then at some point the Holy Spirit kind of anointed and set him apart as the Messiah, then he would not be fully God. But the Holy Spirit comes upon a virgin so that what is conceived is fully God and fully man. Not one part God, one part man. That's not the nature of conception. You know that. You are not half your mom and half your dad. You are this full convergence of the two. Now, if you ask me to explain to you how it is that Jesus is simultaneously fully God and fully man, how Jesus as a toddler who couldn't sustain his own balance was at the same time sustaining the universe? How, how is Jesus going through brain development while at the same time being omniscient? How Jesus is truly flesh in time and space while at the same time being omnipresent? If you bring these questions to me and you say, Preacher, explain it, I will say, No, I can't. Nobody can. That's the point of mystery, which stands at the center of the Christian faith. I can point you toward theological answers. This has certainly been studied. I can point you toward orthodox theology, the doctrine of extra-Calvinisticum, if you're interested. You can go Google that this afternoon. Woohoo! extra-Calvinisticum, if you really want to study it. But theological study only gives greater expression to mystery. Good theology only heightens mystery. We're not going to resolve this. We're not going to explain this because God is inscrutable. Meaning he cannot be comprehended. That is an attribute that has been forgotten about God. The Holy Trinity, God's sovereignty, man's responsibility, fully God, fully man. This is inscrutable. It cannot be comprehended. And that's a good thing. You don't want your God to be fully comprehensible because it is a telltale sign that your God has been contrived by human intellect. Someone made up that God, if you can understand that God. And heresies always arise when we try to submit divine mysteries to human comprehension. In other words, a heresy comes about when we try to make sense of mystery. Explain the unexplainable and, in, and turn these inscrutable doctrines into these neat, tidy concepts. Don't do that. Just let the mystery be. We cannot comprehend the incarnation, but we sure can apply it. We can study for a lifetime and never fully understand fully God, fully man, but we could also apply it for a lifetime and never fully exhaust it. Inexhaustible doctrine affords us inexhaustible implications. So instead of trying to figure out the mystery this morning, I'm going to let the mystery stand. It is what it is. He is fully God and fully man. If you figure it out, then you'll be the first. We'll just let the mystery stand. We'll celebrate it. We'll stand in awe of it. And then we'll apply it. What does this mean for us? That we have a God who is fully God, fully man. As I said, there are inexhaustible implications and applications to this, but I would like for us to ponder one in particular this morning. And the reason why I chose this one is, is a selfish reason because I needed this one. Um, this, is, this has been a heavy year for me, and I think many in the church 
And, and it's a heavy time right now. Uh, I, I, I'm enjoying the Christmas season very much. Um, but uh, someone, someone who I love very much is in the final stages of pancreatic cancer. Um, a beloved longtime member of our church is, in, um, is also in the final days of cancer struggle. Um, uh, someone I love very much, a, 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 a family member. Um, way too young, got a cancer diagnosis. Um, that's, that's treatable, but it's just cancer, 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 cancer everywhere. Um, this week was the death of a, a theological hero of mine, R.C. Sproul, um, passed away this week. And, um, and you know, um, I'm, not, I'm certainly not friends with Sproul. We, we've, we've met and had conversations, but, I, but it, it feels like a great loss because of my formative years of theology. Um, I felt like Sproul and I were best friends. And now he's gone. Um, it's, been a, it's been a rough year um, at our church as far as shepherding needs. Um, we've, we've walked through some mess as pastors with many of you. There are marriages that are barely hanging on, that we're fighting for. There are wayward children. It's just been a heavy year. It's just been a heavy year. One of the things that has compounded it, I've noticed recently, is with all of the uh, sexual assault stuff that's coming out, um, I think what it's done is it's given our culture freedom to um, start opening up and talking about this, and many of you are doing that and coming to us with this and asking us to help you with uh, that problem that's been hidden for years. It's just been heavy. And so, um, you know, things may be great for you, and I'm sorry, but I'm the preacher, so you're just going to have to get depressed with me. Um, I want to talk about what God and man says to that. What does the mystery of the incarnation say to grief, to suffering, to pain? Return to our verse. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, there's the mystery, and bear a son. Now the second half is the significance. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, how much is God with us? The mystery of the incarnation allows us to say all the way, fully. God is not a God who relates like we relate to the characters in a film and novel, where if the story is told well, if it's a good storyteller and, and the film's done well or the novel's written well, perhaps you can relate to the characters in such a way where you actually feel their pain, you may even shed a tear with them. But that's not how God relates to humanity. Instead, God relates to us like we relate to us. In our story, with our story, born into our existence and fully inhabiting it. A God who has actually subjected himself to the same story with all of its joys and, yes, all of its pains. That is why the incarnation, rightly understood affords the hurting this immeasurable consolation from Almighty God, I know exactly what that's like. Can you believe God can say that to us? I know what it's like. Do you know what I feel the most helpless as a pastor? Speaking of how heavy this year has been as a pastor, you know what I feel the most helpless as a pastor is when I'm walking with others through brokenness I have never experienced. I can open my Bible and, um, and read passages that apply to it. I can, of course, pray for them. I can cry with them. 
I can sit with them, I can listen to them, I can counsel them, I can do my best to answer their questions that they may have. But in most pastoral cases, I'm not allowed to say, I know what it's like. Because I don't. And what I have discovered is that perhaps the greatest consolation to the hurting is that. People want to know they're not alone in their grief. They want to know that somebody has been there before, someone has experienced what they're experiencing, but most of the time, I can't give that to them. And I cannot offer the grieving what they most need, what I call the power of relatability. However, I minister in the name of the incarnate Son of God. So we Christian ministers have a unique thing that we're allowed to say. I can't imagine what you're going through, but your God does. Turn to the Old Testament reading that we just heard. And I love that Chelsea paired these together. He was despised. Jesus knew what it was like to be hated by people. He was rejected by men. Jesus knew what it was like to be left out, to be rejected, to be picked on. Kids, Jesus knew what it was like to be picked on and bullied. A man of sorrows, he knew what it was like to go to bed sad and wake up in the morning and think, oh, I hope it's over. Oh, no, I'm still sad. Acquainted with grief. Jesus knew what it was like to suffer Grief, as one from whom mid men hide their faces, Jesus knew what it was like to be ugly and unattractive. We esteemed him not. Jesus knew what it was like to be unpopular, uncool. Jesus knows what it's like. Now, I suppose you could say that there are things that Jesus never experienced. He was never diagnosed with cancer. He, he was never rejected by his spouse. He, he, he never lost a child in, in these things. But this is why Calvary is so important. Because what Calvary allows us to do is to say this. We cannot say that Jesus is acquainted with all breadth of suffering, but we can say this. Jesus is acquainted with all depths of suffering. Perhaps he has never endured all the specific sufferings that we go through, but he has endured more suffering than we will ever go through. Continue on with Isaiah 53 and ask yourself this question. Can anyone relate to this? Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Can anybody relate to that? Anybody gone through that? Countless have suffered cancer. Countless have suffered depression. Countless have suffered loss of employment and economic ruin. Countless have suffered heartbreak. Countless have suffered singleness and infertility and divorce. Countless have suffered the loss of a child. One and only one has been pierced for others' transgressions and crushed for other iniquities. When it comes to the degree of suffering, Jesus suffers alone. And what this means is that nobody is able to ever say to God, I know what it's like, because God will say, no, you don't. 
No one is ever allowed to say to God, I know what it's like. But that means now God can say to every single one of us, no matter the depth of pain, I know what it's like. Jesus suffers alone so that none of us have to ever suffer alone. When tragedies befall us, everyone wants answers, and there's nothing wrong with that. And Scripture has a lot to say about suffering and tragedy, and there are answers to discover. But ultimately, the answer is the same as the answer of mysteries. I don't know. I don't know. But the mystery of the incarnation means that we can add this very important qualification to that. I don't fully know what the answer is, but I know what the answer is not. I know that your pain and suffering doesn't mean this. It can't mean that he is detached and he doesn't care. It can't be that God is playing some maniacal game with his creation. It can't be that God doesn't love us or doesn't take our suffering and misery seriously. If the incarnation is true, then none of that can be true. He loves us so much. He cares so deeply. He takes suffering so seriously that he is willing to take it upon himself. And so perhaps this morning in this Advent season, that's all you need to hear. You don't need uh, faux sentimentality. You don't need contrived happiness. You don't, you don't need to have somebody just say, oh, just be of good cheer. You need someone to say to you, I know what it's like. Well, perhaps I can't say that to you. Perhaps nobody in this room can say that to, to you. Perhaps you are in such a dark and difficult place that you think that nobody on the planet can say that to you. But because of the mystery of the incarnation, your God can say that to you. He is Emmanuel, God with us, the God who knows what it's like. Let me pray. Fathers, we come now to the table of your suffering, the representation of the depths of your anguish and pain. I pray that you would comfort and meet us here in this meal. Apply the preached word that we just heard to our hearts through now the living, mysterious, this is a mystery too, Lord, mysterious sacrament that we believe you are feeding our souls with the good news that was just preached. The God who can relate, come now and relate to us, we pray in your name. Amen.